Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Worth It Podcast. My name's Thomas, and today we are on camera, finally. Hello, JD. Are you okay? I'm, I'm tired, Tom. It's been a hassle getting <laughs> all the equipment set up, and I just want to go back to bed. Yep, 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 yep. Well, I, I know, I know it's a hassle, but you've got to do it. It's the law. It's the new law. Every single Worth It Podcast from now on will be filmed and recorded Maybe not in this format. As soon as we get out of lockdown, we might change it up slightly and, you know... I was very scared you were about to tell me that it has set. to be recorded, stood up. <laughs> yes, for the entire time. You know what I'm, you know what I'm going to do, JD? Um, for the next episode, I'm going to stand up for you. And so sitting down like I am now, I will stand up, I'll put the camera onto a tripod, and I'll be nice to you. Thanks, man. Yeah, Makes just feel, for you. Feel just all the better. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, how's, how's it going, JD? You okay? Like I said, I'm tired. It's there's nothing to do in lockdown. I'm just writing scripts, and we're all just waiting. Yeah, yeah. and that actually leads us quite nicely onto our first question. Um, and the question was, have we done any filmmaking at all this week? And no. I mean, not maybe sort of for you because you've you've done some writing and stuff, so that kind of counts a little bit as some kind of filmmaking, I guess. Does it? In a way. Does it? What count? do you reckon? No, I don't think it counts. What, what What do you class it? What do you class filmmaking as then? The actual filming process, being on a set, mm. recording something, that's the actual filmmaking. Because before, yeah, it's yeah. just script ri- script writing. You can do that, mm. and it doesn't amount into the film for so many scripts. Because, you know, you just look at it, you're like, ah, no, no, I don't like it, and you throw it away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So I, I've actually done some filmmaking myself. I, I class filmmaking as any step towards making a story. Um, but... In essence, you've kind of got to start and finish something for it to really count as filmmaking as such. So writing doesn't really count towards it mm. because writing is uh, it's like the start of something. It's not the finish yeah, point. Exactly. Writing, then filming, then outputting stuff is filmmaking, I guess. I mean, this podcast, for example, right? We wrote the podcast, we recorded the podcast, and now the podcast is going to go out live as such. So that counts. Um, so that's one bit of filmmaking we've done um, there's also the behind the scenes stuff for the tutorial bits and pieces that we've done but yeah overall it's kind of all a go slow at the minute I guess obviously it's due like, to the lockdown and... script writing is the equivalent of putting your shoes on it doesn't count as walking mm. yeah <laughs> that's very true my shoes are on right now and I've not really stepped very far I can actually probably I don't it's a below below 100 on the step count let's see. oh no no it's okay 1472 steps I've done today apparently so I mean I guess so I might count few, the few. amount of steps I've done on my hands. It's three from my bed <laughs> to here. <laughs> Did you commando roll out of bed Literally. straight towards the the laptop, and that's about it? I didn't even Perfect. like get out of bed to put a shirt on. I just reached, grabbed, <laughs> all right, put it on. One, two, three. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> Fantastic. So actually, beginning of next week is going to be our first week in starting pre-production for our short film projects again. Um, because we figured that, you know, we may as well try at least to hit the ground running when we come out of filming and when we come out, sorry, when we come out of lockdown, not out of filming, when we come out of lockdown, we kind of want, we kind of want to hit the ground running. So we decided to actually get on with filming all over again, start, start the joyous process um, with our first short film. Um, And it's an interesting short film, actually, JD, you're obviously doing the, the stunt choreography and all that jazz for it. How are you finding the writing? Uh, the writing in general, or specifically the choreography for yeah, the specific the specific choreography because it's something different, isn't it? It's not exactly 
Um, it's not writing, so you're not creating the story. As such, the story's already there. You're just putting like A to B. You're putting booths together, aren't you? I feel like I'm putting it's IKEA instructions it? for people. Yeah, I'm literally yeah, just saying, yeah. person A, do this. Now, person B, do that, and just do that. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, um, I mentioned last week that the the fighting sequences that I personally write in my own scripts are something that I personally can perform or can do at that time. Um, so I don't like to do anything excessive or OTT that I know from, if I can't do it myself, I don't like to write it. Um, do you do the same thing when you write in the choreography? Um, no, because I know that I've been trained to take falls, tumbles and different kind of uh, attacks. I don't mm. know if someone else has been trained to do that as well. So something yeah. I can do yeah. doesn't necessarily mean someone else can do it. But it does yeah. mean that I can yeah. teach them and give them an idea of how to do it. Right. Yeah. So do you, when we're actually making the film, obviously it's very good to have those days before going on to set where we can actually, you know, sit people down and say, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to do it. And then there's also days where we go into like, for example, like a sports hall or something and yeah. practice those particular sequences. Get some crash um, and it's something, yeah, absolutely. And it's really, really interesting that we did uh, for Hunted in particular do you remember that day when we all went got together in I that do, sports hall? I do we, remember. As you say, we put out the crash mats. Um, and I had a view of the location that we were shooting at at the time. So I knew exactly what it looked like. So I laid out all of the crash mats on the floor in a particular way. So it looked like the same set. So all we had to do is when we lifted um, ourselves up and took ourselves to set, it was the same process, yeah. the same thing. So And it worked yeah, so like well, to be easier. perfectly honest, because we all knew exactly yeah. what we were doing in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, and what's also quite nice added to that is we all knew each other at the time as well. Um, so we'd all met each other, we'd all got on with each other, and things had worked out. So therefore, I feel like if we were to just turn up to set one day and try and do the same thing, it'd be a lot tougher because people don't really know each other. They don't know whether you know how far there's, to go, what they can and can't do. There's a level of trust that kind of forces mm. itself in, especially in choreography, because you're trusting someone else to do something that could be very mm. dangerous or even fatal and pray right, to yeah. God or whoever that they're not going to kill you by accident yeah. or on purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. And we had some really nice um, input from all of the actors at that point as well. So we had the likes of Lish who was stood there going, yeah, but what if we did this and came at this angle instead? Mm. So I, I really like that idea that it was a nice input from everyone as an all-round, you know, given their perspectives on how they reckoned that the thing would flow. And it ended up building the story more than it had done before. So when I wrote it, it was quite basic. And then as we went through the day of the, the practicing, we actually built on that basic uh, that basic level. And it was really nice. Yeah. Um, and, and it's something that happens on set anyway, regardless. You know, when you make a shot list, you have like a structure that you want to follow. But when you get there on the day, circumstances change. And, you know, you change your shot to match what the circumstances are. Yeah. It's the same with choreography. It is. And like you say... Anything changes. You know, how many times does, did interview change scripts just because we thought yeah. something on the day? Yeah, absolutely. It does. It's not limited to just being on set. It's any time rehearsals, mm. sending a, an email to say, "Hey, what do you think of the script? Do you want to be a part of this?" And then they turn around and go, yeah. "Well, actually, what if you did this?" Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, okay, let's crack on with this podcast episode. Um, so, the thirty-day film challenge. We're actually quite far into it now. Um, and as you're viewing this podcast, we'll have done, let me think, 
So there was the first week plus another well, one, two, three. So that's ten. We'd have done ten days worth of the thirty day challenge. So that's officially Ella's um, ten films of choice or ten days up. And it's moving on to you next, JD, isn't it? it? Is. And I've written it is, yeah. my answers down and I've sent them over to you. And they're all ready. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is when we go through these next uh, set of days as such, um, I'm going to get the questions up and I'll tell you about the questions and things like that. Um, the ones that you've done yourself, I want to know why. I want to know why you've chosen those films as such. Okay. But the first few, the ones that Ella's chosen, we'll just, we'll just you know, talk about them yeah. in general. And what we reckon ours would have been. Yeah, absolutely. So, the topics, right. Well, so the first one, I think it was the Saturday, was your favourite animated film. Mm. Easy. No, mm. I got it. Is it? Yeah. It's it's a tie between Winnie the Pooh's Tigger movie <laughs> and Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were Rabbit. Really, fantastic. That's great. Because I, I was thinking, there's like so much choice. There's so much choice. Like one of my favorite ones was um, Into the Spider Verse. You know, the Spider Man film that, that they made. Two years ago, was it? Two years, one year ago? Yeah, um, and obviously the second one's coming next year, late next year. Cannot wait for that. Um, and I loved the the whole production of that film. was was brilliant. So the, the design aspect and the style of animation that they used is so unique mm. to the actual thing. It felt like a comic book, looked like a comic book, was designed with the intention of being like a comic book, so it was brilliant. But then there's also, you know, there's your 3D animation, there's, you know, all your Pixar stuff. For yeah. example, there's, uh, there's stuff like that, and then there's the likes of um, Treasure Planet. Oh, Treasure! What? Good shout! Treasure Planet's I mean, amazing. What, what a brilliant film that that is! I really like Treasure Planet, uh, and something else that I really, really loved from from way back when was the Iron Giant, mm. as well, which is also another good film. Um, so, so much to choose from, but yeah. I would actually personally choose Treasure Planet as my film. I just love it. Yeah, well, that's just fair. love it. Man. I'll accept that answer. Yeah. Yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm sticking with Winnie the Pooh's Tigger movie, though. <laughs> well, you know, each to their own. Each to their own. <laughs> cool. What's the next? Um, what's the next prompt? So moving swiftly on to point number two, um, or for that matter, topic number two, um, a film that you'll never get tired of. One you can watch again and again and again and again. Mm. Avengers Infinity War I have memorised a good chunk of that script and people hate watching that film with me (laughs) bloody hell I can imagine Um, so I've got one in particular that we must have watched about a hundred times and I even went to the cinema and I watched it as well Um, and it was quite strange because it's it's a much older film it's from is it from the 80s? It might be from the 80s. Um, and to see, to go back to the cinema to see a film that is of that age as such, not in cinema anymore, hasn't been in cinema for like 20 years, 30 years. Uh, it was really great. Um, but I love The Goonies. Oh. Absolutely love The Goonies. I could watch it over and over and over and will over you, again. Will you Non-stop. fire me if I tell you I haven't seen The Goonies before? Oh, man. You, honestly, just like I should go and watch Uncut Gems and Adam that JD. You should absolutely go watch The Goonies. It's stunning. Um, yeah, no, it's a really, really good film. Um, and obviously I could watch that again and again and again and again. Um, okay, number three. A film that you hate, but everybody else liked. So a film that you hate, everyone else liked. 
Um, I can think of a series, but not a film. Um, Ready. Okay. Yeah, Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah really like one. the amount wow. of people who went out of their way and were like, "Oh, it's so nostalgic! Look, it's Pac-Man! It's this mm, thing! Yeah, it's yeah. that!" And I stopped and I just looked at them and went, "You were born in the year two thousand. You weren't even alive when half of these things came out. <laughs> it's not nostalgia <laughs> at all. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Shut up!" Yeah, yeah. So I've got one that critics raved about, that the fans raved about, that everybody raved about, and it was just boring. Right, and that's the Irishman. Oh, couldn't stand it. It was crap. I hated it. It was so long and dragged out. Uh, it's probably a really dodgy opinion. And but so many people absolutely loved it, and they wanted it to win an Oscar, and it didn't win anything. And I was really glad it didn't win anything. Jesus, strong and, opinions. Uh, yeah, honestly, didn't like it at all. Not a fan. So the Irishman would be my choice for that one. Uh, not <laughs> not a strong opinion. I don't really mind. I could. I, I watched it from start to finish. I did. I did the drag. I did the whole. Uh, the whole thing um but yeah it was definitely not for me definitely not for me it's like that and also uh, when when we make long-winded films they just get too boring after a while don't they they just they just drag and drag and drag and they just don't stop it's like come on it's weird to realize that there is fatigue on watching a film it takes hard work to sit still and look at something concentrate Um, yeah like my mum is obsessed with gone with the wind and that film has an interval in the middle. That's how long it is. It's got an interval. Nah. And it won an Oscar. It won Best Picture yeah. at the Oscars. Uh, pff, I don't know how. don't know how. Very boring. She loves it. I think if there was a film that um, that she would never get tired of, I think Gone with the Wind would be the absolute choice for her. Absolutely. Um, okay, next one up. Uh, is your favourite superhero film? <laughs> that is a tough one and you know what I'm just checking the picture here I think I think I don't know whether it's a definite but I think that is your first one that you had to pick right or is that the last one for Ella oh no that was the last one for Ella that's day 10 so day 10 was your favourite superhero film you're lucky there man you'd have had a really tough choice a really tough does time does it have to be me. one superhero or it has to be one singular Already. film it can have a group of superheroes in. It has to be one singular film. So, like, for example, my favourite superhero film, I will go first for you. My favourite superhero film is Captain America The Winter Soldier. Fantastic film. Go for it, JD. You've got it. I'm going to have to fall back on, on Endgame. Oh. The, I, yeah. The, I would put that it's it's in a three-way lock for best film ever, in my mm. opinion. It, it's oh, really? a three-way tie. Yeah. I can't decide. I think because obviously, it's such like a culmination of events over the past ten years that have led up to that final yeah. piece. I, I can agree with you on that on, on the opinion on that. But Captain America: The Winter Soldier rammed with action. Russo brothers at the finest. <laughs> Love it. Uh, right, next one up. A film that you like from your least favourite genre. These are the ones I've already answered, isn't it? This is your first one. Day number 11. Don't mind me, I'm just bringing up my own answers just so I don't make a different <laughs> answer. So you don't go back on yourself. Because Lord knows I will. <laughs> I've forgotten what I actually put. So, okay, right. Whilst you're searching for that one, I'll go first. So, 
I really hate horror films. I'm very scared oh. very easily. And I can't watch horror films. I can't sit there and watch them at all. If you ever wanted to scare me for a joke or a prank, put a horror film on for me and I'll scream like a little girl. Um, do not like horrors one bit. So um, I, I always say to my girlfriend, I, I say to her, look, I'll watch a horror film with you. Won't last very long. Honestly. I'll be I'll be out the door. I'll be hiding behind someone. I'll yeah. I'll run away quick. But we went and watched it, um, the new version, obviously yeah. the remake. And I absolutely, I still it. need I to see the second half. It's a really, really good film. And the second one is really good as well. I really enjoyed the second one too. So yeah, it would be or the it series in general would be mm. my my choice. Uh, love actually. <laughs> love actually. That's a good um, film, that, to be fair. It's a really good genre, man. Why don't you like, like the genre? I don't like romance. I don't like romantic <laughs> comedies. It's just... Ten Things I Hate About You uh, is also brilliant. Uh, it's, it man. feels contrived. I don't like it's, the genre. Yeah. I hate the idea that love actually everyone has Ledger. to have a happy ending. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd rather yeah. something a bit cliche, more gritty it? and it's very darker... Which kind of yeah. is why Love Actually is the nice sitting. Because not everyone has a happy ending in that. <laughs> Some people just end up single yeah. and they're like, listen, I, I'm not going to get the girl, but I love you. Here's the sign, Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, fair enough. Andrew Lincoln is also... Absolute star. Amazing too. <laughs> he is brilliant. Um, okay, next one up. Next one up is the polar opposite to the first one. Um, and your second choice uh, would be a film that you hate from your favourite genre. So I feel that you hate for your favourite So genre. my favourite genre is the one you hate the most. I love horror films. Absolutely yes. love horror <laughs> films. Do you know what I hate, though? Mm-hmm. When you got a really go good on. concept, and it just you, mm-hmm. you just kind of go, here's the good concept, and you just, whoops, I dropped it. Mm. And the ball just drops. Yeah. Havenhurst. It is the worst film ever. Havenhurst. Havenhurst. I have not heard of that oh, one. Oh, it's and I don't so terrible. It. <laughs> it's a really, really? nice, I- yeah. like, good idea where the killings happen in this hotel that is designed for rehab. And if you don't stick yeah. to your re- rehabilitation, yeah. the killer will come for you. There's a concept there. Oh. It. It yeah, derails because there's this random guy who just kind of teleports oh. through walls. There's no really actual explanation how he gets through the walls of the hotel. <laughs> and for some reason, he's this bald albino man who just goes around and kills, regardless of if the people are sticking to their regime or not. And the whole thing just collapses. Yeah. And then there's a yeah. news clipping right at the end. And the, the, <laughs> the keeper of the hotel goes, it was me. I was the Lady Havenhurst. And everyone just goes, Who? <laughs> <laughs> Blow my neck. Okay, garbage. cool, 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 cool. Stay away from so, the film. <laughs> I'll, st- I'll, I'll try. I'll try my it's hardest to stay scary. away from the film that I hate. <laughs> so my most favorite genre is action. Um, I'm a huge action person. Love it. Uh, love the whole, the whole setting. My least favorite film, and it's technically an entire franchise because they're all awful in general, has got to be. The Fast and Furious. Ooh. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, there no, no. There are some people who Family. are going to come after you, what my friends. <laughs> I hate Fast and Furious. Don't not like it. 
Um, it's not they're not like mega bad. I've watched them all. They're not really bad. They just get worse and worse and worse as they go along. Um, Tokyo Drift was the best one of the lot by a long, long way. Um, and then all of the others are a bit hit and miss. Let's put it that way. They're a bit hit and miss. <laughs> apparently, uh, so uh, yes. The last the question for Dwayne that Johnson and particular. Jason oh, go on, go on. Sorry. Apparently, that's is that Hobson Shaw? I've not seen that one. That's the only one I've not seen. It. It's the most recent one out, wasn't heard, it? So, and it's I've heard a lot of good things about it. One. Yeah, yeah. I think they're getting better at making action and getting worse at telling stories for some reason. I don't know how that works. Um, but but yeah, that is my my least favorite one. Um, so JD, are you looking? Or I was going to say you're looking forward to choosing the next ten, but you've already yep. chosen them yourself anyway. So what I'm going to ask instead is, uh, did you enjoy choosing them? Were there were there particular ones that you, uh, I guess, struggled choosing? Um, trying to think of films that just disappointed. There, were, there was a question I think on day sixteen. That was like something along the lines oh, of okay. what film just made you depressed. Mm, yeah, uh, that is 14. day fourteen. Yeah, a film that gave you depression. Yeah, like that. That one was yeah. hard, but I don't know. Do, do I want to say it now, yeah. or do we wait yeah. until it's out? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll, we'll wait until spoilers next week. Or, uh, we'll have a chat about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, now, I understand that because um, I, I was looking through myself. I tried to answer all 30. Uh, that was one of the particular ones that I really struggled on. Um, there's also two more that I really struggled on, and they are both in my 10, so my last 10, which is a bit annoying. So I'm going to have to struggle along and try and find well, we'll out. We'll get what, to there when we, uh, when we get there. Are. The only way to find out is to watch a load of films, I guess, right? So it's good enough homework for me. <laughs> so let's actually crack on. This oh, a, that was a massive segment. I enjoyed it, though. Um, it's a good segment. Of the podcast. And it wasn't... Yeah, it was It was good, yeah. And it wasn't even, like, the main section of the podcast. It wasn't even the what topic is the main of segment? the day, either. The topic of the day, JD, is science in film. And most, in particular, in particular, the science of cinematography. Because, J.D., you asked a question the other day, didn't you? What was that uh, question? You sent a picture of, like, really satisfying pictures. And I just said, is this the science behind, like, visually appealing photos? Because it had just that, it had that oh, weird yeah. grid that you see on cameras. And I didn't understand. I was like, it all <laughs> lines up. Is this how it works? <laughs> so the, the photo reference in particular, I might send that over to Alex so we can pop it in uh, on front of the screen right now. It is actually a um, Instagram feed for someone. So if you go onto someone's page, you type in their name, you open up their particular page on your phone, it will show you um, their grid or what their grid looks like. And this guy had uploaded singular images, creating a mosaic um, over time, which then created his overall grid. So when people click on his profile, full res images come straight up and then when you click on individual photos it's like mosaic blocks of different parts like building up like a little jigsaw and it's really really impressive but um i guess let's talk science right because science is used in life anyway in general for pretty much everything right science kind of governs a lot of things because it you know gives us rule sets to allow us to you know abide by whatever um and when we talk about science in film it's used in every single aspect um, in every stage so obviously 
you know, in the likes of pre-production, there is a lot of psychology in how we how we schedule, how we create stuff, how we write, how we storyboard, how we shortlist, all that jazz. Um, and of course, uh, we begin the scientific process of cinematography in pre-production as well. And that's through our shortlist creation and through our storyboard generation. And we pretty much pick our colours and our set design quite early on as well. Um, most importantly as well, when we actually go on recce's and film recce's, we actually go out to the particular place and we look at a, we look at a thing and think, will that work in my frame? Will that look nice in my shot? Can I picture it? Can I not picture yeah. it? And that kind of stuff. Um, so basically, we use science to design our scenes, to design our shots, um, and the most important aspect of that design um, and of that particular part of science is color science, because color science is something that you can actually study um, as like a further degree. Like a, I think it's like a. Is it like a base a foundation degree? It might be a foundation degree. You can get a foundation degree in yeah. color science, basically. And a lot of colorists and um, color grade artists uh, go into this because you know it's something that really affects how they color grade um, products and projects for uh, for different companies. Um, but you know, cinematographers and director of photographies, they're kind of the same thing. Um, they also focus on the art of color and utilizing particular colors to give out particular themes, to give out particular emotions and styles and show who's a bad guy and a good guy. The most obvious one, clearly, as I just said then, you know, blue being, blue or white being that for good and representing good, a symbol of hope and all that jazz. And then red uh, representing anger or, 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 or aggression, you know, highlighting the bad guy. And something that we can really, um, picking as an example is uh, is star wars and the newer star wars use that heavily in all of their poster designs and stuff um you can see that a lot of the time whoever is highlighted on the red side is an evil yeah. person whoever's highlighted on the blue side is a good person um so that's a basic way in which color science can be used and um, there's obviously uh, the color space that we all edit in which is rec 709 and you can change that color space depending on what kind of grades and feel that you want um, but a lot of um, a lot of us work within rec 709 as a color space uh, and when you drop stuff into davinci resolve um, it just allows you to give that nice palette and when we shoot projects we tend to shoot them in log um, so what log is it's basically uh, when you draw out all of the colors and all of the information okay. from your photo and you give the flattest form of the image that you can give. So an image that is colourful has a lot of information already attached to it. So when you secure that image, it's already got lots of colour in it. So when you like take, so you take your phone out, right? You take a picture of myself. Yeah. yeah. It'll show in the background, it'll show greens, it'll show black and white, and it'll show my colour at my top and stuff like that. That's all the information. That's all the data that's in, in the photo. If you shoot them flat, it'll pull out all of those colours. So that green over there, behind me won't be as green and the the blacks and the whites will be quite drawn and sat and desaturated as such and when you throw that image into a color processing system like davinci resolve it picks that up and it allows the system then to add its own color in so if you already add an image uh, if you're already adding color into an image that is already colorful it won't have as much an effect and you won't be able to drag and pull as many details in or out of the image um, but if you're if you're dragging in a flat image, for example, then you'll able to be able to put more color into that image, more design into that image as such. So do you remember JD? I once said to you, you know, we can the best time of day to shoot a nighttime scene is 
the daytime, yeah. right? Yes. Um, do you know? Do you know why now? Because you're not going to get the same reaction of colors during the night. So I would imagine you'd mm-hmm. want to shoot very early morning, where your sky is mm-hmm. more typically a darker blue to give a more somber or quiet yeah, feel. Yeah, and the best day or the best kind of filmmaking day for us, uh, if you want to try and shoot nighttime scenes or scenes where you need to heavily grade, is a cloudy yeah. day uh, because it creates its own softbox over our thing and it gives it a nice wrapped light because sunlight is harsh, as you just saw before in the, the beginning of the podcast. I had these, the grid lines on my chest because the sun was shining through the window because um, sunlight is harsh and it's hard to grade and it's hard to think. It's actually... It's so bright sometimes that it gives like a distortion in color and it peaks. It's something called mm-hmm. peaking. Um, so obviously the the light breaks over that maximum point that it should be. So if you if you use like my frame for example now, the lowest point down here is your blacks that are really really low, and the idea is you put them as close to zero as you possibly can because that's closer to true black as a color, and then the whites are right at the very top of the frame. And if you peak over that, then you get um, what is known as like a clipped image. So detail is lost and data is lost. And you don't want that to happen. You want to have as much data as you can so that you can edit as much color into it as possible. And that's why, you know, shooting and grading daytime into nighttime is much easier because you have that even light that you can work with. So when you're trying to shoot at nighttime, more often than not, all of your lights that you put in, everything that you try and do to make that scene as bright as you can, and the camera is working overtime to try and pick up that light as well. It's doing too much, and it's often a lot okay. harder than you think to grade it as such. Um, so that's, I guess, I could talk about color science all day and how to give different examples yeah. and different ways. But basically, basically, colors determine your emotion and opinion. That's one thing. Uh, the way in which we shoot f- to allow us to edit all those colors is we shoot our image as flat as possible and as neutral as possible. And of course, when we go into edit, we try and draw as many colors back into the photo as possible. Obviously, once we've color corrected. Um, and color correction is just when we just level it all out. Because what we do, actually, in color correction, so if you shoot something that's not flat in color, is we color correction just flattens the image so we can grade it. So that's the manual process is color correction. You should shoot it that well um, on the actual set day. You don't need to color correct it as much. If you happen to do loads to color correct it, then you've shot wrong concept, okay. basically. So that's color science and the art of color, I guess, in basic form. Yeah, basic. As I say, there's degrees and parts and bits, and there's loads and loads and loads of uh, different things that you can look up and research. There's um, uh, Steve Yedlin, for example. Um, he is absolutely brilliant, and he, he talks about um, color science and the way in which he uses his cameras um, in order to, I, I guess, populate an image with color and stuff. And he talks about shooting in different logs in very, very, very specific detail and he uses these numbers which blow my mind sometimes. Um he's on Twitter and he did he works with um Ryan Johnson who did The Last Jedi. Um he was a he was a cinematographer The Last Jedi and he was also the cinematographer for um Knives Out. Have you seen I Knives did. Out? Quite enjoyed it. Brilliant. Really good film. But that that is where I got my biggest example from daytime to nighttime because they shot all of their nighttime scenes in a day. Okay. There we go. Um, yeah, his Twitter page has full of information about stuff like that. So if you want to learn more, then I really heavily suggest you head over there. 
Um, but there's other forms of science that we use within cameras, mm-hmm. and most particularly the actual bodies of cameras and stuff. Um, so that is like values such as focal length. You've got shutter speed. You've got ISO. They're scientific values measuring the amount of light in a camera. And they're also measuring the amount of times that the shutter can shut in order to trap the light in. And also, of course, focal length is obviously a meter measurement of the distance between you, the camera body itself and the focus. So that's an also another form of science that's used. Um, it's obviously the psychology of framing a shot. Um, so it's quite clever that people use to mask shots and stuff is like the Dutch angle. Have you heard of the Dutch Tom, angle? There's a lot of things I have not heard of that you are going into today. <laughs> <laughs> so the Dutch angle is when you... So I'll, I'll do it right now, right? Oh. Okay. So in a horror film, right, we'd, we'd go like this, tilt it slightly, and then come back in straight again. Right. Yeah. So the camera tilts to one side and works its way back in. And that's a Dutch angle, right? It's an angle that's not quite straight. It's quite slightly skew It gives that sense of unease when people are watching. I need to re- actually readjust my camera, so don't shoot. Entire room. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's a Dutch angle, which is used. There's, um, there's the way in which we use the rule of thirds in order to convey stuff. So, for, obviously, for conversations, you, uh, your rule of thirds, if you see your camera, I'm looking at my, my, my feed now so I can see my own camera. So, here's my frame here, and then... Here is one side of the third, and that's it's a box, and there's a box. There's the middle boxes, and there's the left boxes. So my lines go down here, and here, and here. So there's my grid. Yeah. That's my grid. Um, if you have your, if you have your subjects, for example, on a conversation, one person is stood in this side of the third, and one person stood in that side of the third, then that kind of complements, right? That's a complementary shot. But sometimes you can switch that around. So for example, if somebody's looking off frame. And they're a bit nervous or they're a bit unsure. It's a horror film or something like that. Somebody's unsure yeah. about something. Then a lot of time you'll see they do this thing where they crop out the frame. So you see a lot of dead space behind their back and they'll be looking and it'll cut frame right here. Or something like that. It just shows another another sense of unease. But it's quite subtle. You don't really notice, but you know, filmmakers do that on purpose. There's a really, really good shot that I saw the other day. Um and it was in oh, what was it in? Um Money Heist. Have you seen Money no, Heist at no, all? No. It's a Spanish um, Spanish drama series. It's on Netflix. Fantastic. Everybody's watching it a minute. It's like number one in the UK. Um, I've seen it advertised. Really, really, really good. There was a shot that uses Dutch angle to like perfection. Um, so it starts on the detective who stood in the doorway and, it, and the camera pulls back and twists around to the side and then goes over the shoulder of the sleeping person and then focuses on the sleeping person as it rests perfect beautiful and it, it makes it makes the viewer feel differently towards a shot and it makes the viewer feel like either they're involved more or they want to be away from the scene or something like that any any kind of sense of unease to make them nervous yeah. or on edge then they do it perfectly so, and it's a lot of thought process in style it makes them feel like something's up yeah 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 so i guess um Something else. Does one? Does one more thing that uh, want to reference as well? There was likes of the way in which people use motion typography and um, title sequences, and the way in which they blend into, you know, the natural the natural world as such. So, like for example, when the camera tracks through the woods, and there's like a bit of text in the foreground. There's some. Uh, trees and in the background behind the text there's also some trees the way in which people like blend text and blend titling and blend stuff into the real environment to make people feel like everything's there with them at once 
that's another kind of psychology as well. So there's loads and loads of bits of psychology that goes into filmmaking um, to try and to try and make people feel a part of something, in love, scared, vulnerable. Loads, yep. loads of different bits and pieces. Um, again, that's another area of science that's used in film. And then finally, the last bit. One more thing. I promise. I promise. No, there's actually about a hundred oh. more things, but the last bit we're going to talk about today, in particular, is lighting and using temperature to gauge a frame. So obviously we use Kelvin value in lights. So 5,500 Kelvin is the temperature of natural light. No. Did you know that? Okay, and then 5,800 Kelvin is what? What do you reckon 5,800 Kelvin is? Tom, you're asking me like I'm, I'm a chemist who, who <laughs> knows what a temperature is. All I do is I put a thermometer in and I go, oh, Kelvin. that's hot. Oh, well, I'm sick. <laughs> well... Unfortunately, chemists and thermometers don't measure in Kelvin, they measure in degrees Celsius. Kelvin is a physical, like a physics style of measurement. So they use it in uh, infrared light, ultraviolet light, stuff like that. Um, so 5,800 Kelvin is the uh, the temperature of a warm, sunny day. 5,400 Kelvin is the temperature of a cold day. And we use that value in order to white balance our cameras to make sure that, again, we shoot the shot as flat as it possibly can be. So yes... Shooting in adverse environments um, will affect the way in which we a shot will work and it will f- affect the way in which a frame will be taken, whatever. So, for example, if you're out and about on a really, really bitterly cold day and you're hiking up a mountain and it's snowing, did you know that your batteries last shorter amount of time? No. Yes, your batteries drain quicker in That'll the cold. That'll explain why my phone never so, lasts So, therefore, winter. you need to... Yeah, so you need to obviously have considerations and special thoughts for your adverse environments if you're shooting a documentary that's out in a crazy, crazy weather. For example, obviously, if you go out and shoot in the Sahara Desert, you've got to think about dust and particles getting inside the lens yes. and cleaning lenses and taking lenses apart every day and all that jazz. So, yes, that is science in film in a goddamn nutshell. Are you sure there's not one more thing? <laughs> no, no, there probably is one more thing, but I'll remember it once we stop oh, recording. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to take. So yeah, uh, obviously, if we, yeah, there, there was a lot to talk about there. I mean, um, we could have like about sixty episodes on science and film, but uh, we'll leave the we'll leave the next science and film episode for when we bring someone like Alex or Ella onto the podcast. Uh, we can all talk together as a little group. So to actually conclude, um, science is a real heavy part of filmmaking, uh, but none is more important than the camera that you're shooting on. No science is more important than checking your shutter speed, checking your ISO, checking your f-stop, and making sure that the psychology within your shots match the feel of your story and the way in which you want the viewer okay. to feel in general. So yeah, um, and basically, what what there today was to try thing. and prove it was it was to try and it was to try and prove that filmmaking is not easy. It's not easy. People have degrees in it. People pay lots of money to be successful people take years and years and years to master what is a craft it's a craft like any yeah. other job and it for some people yes it's a hobby but in order to be good at it you really have to grind for years and years and years and years to to get there as such and we're not there yet uh, i don't think i will be there personally yet for a very long time word. we're all still learning as long as um, you never stop yes, you'll get there eventually I'd, that's the important thing to remember with yeah, anything absolutely and i don't think i don't think it never be truly mastered it's like anything, really. Like, for example, I'll use use martial arts as an example. You can never be a master 
as such of a martial art. There's always something to learn. There's always something to develop yeah. yourself on. And it's the same with same with filmmaking. There's always something that we can do. Or some some other event, something new. There's eventually. always something. We'll all be changing new. platforms soon, I bet. Yeah, yeah. And if there isn't, so, there will be. Yes, that that is it. You sure? That is you it. Positive. Jamie. Is your brain blown? Is your brain Brain's blown? Tires. <laughs> I didn't get sleep, and I've just been given yes, a lecture for a uni college. Well, in that case, then. I will let you go back to bed, JD. And with that being said, that is the end of today's podcast. I really do appreciate you all for hopping along. I hope you enjoyed the video stuff. Hopefully it worked and you can all see us as well as hear us too. If you're listening to us over on Spotify or any other of the of the podcast hosts that we've actually got our podcast on, then be sure to come over and check out our YouTube channel. You can actually see our ugly faces presenting and doing the podcast. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening along, guys. Be sure to check in next week. We, I don't know what we're going to be talking about something else eh? probably another something else who knows what is in store and science not more science maybe maybe not science but yeah thank you very much for listening guys Uh, I hope to speak to you all in the next week thank you JD I'll see you next week sometime